right, thank you for being back in the service. Brother Hicks is going to come again, and uh, the message this morning was tremendous, and we are looking forward uh, to the message this afternoon, and so let's give him another warm welcome as he comes. Amen. Turn your Bibles, if you would, with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading verse 6. And Paul saying, For now, for I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight, and I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me that day, not only me, but unto all them also that love his appearing. The Christian life can be incredibly rough. I believe it is the greatest life, and I believe it is the simplest life that we could ever live. But it don't change the fact, especially the day and time that we live in, that it can get tough. Storms in our life, Seems like nobody wants to listen to the wonderful news anymore. This country's turned on God. Fornication everywhere. Pornography everywhere. Bad news every night if you watch the news. Satan's on a rampage. And we get oppressed, depressed, suppressed, and sometimes even permanently pressed. Amen. <laughs> Have I encouraged you this morning yet? But I want to preach on this thought here for a little while. Why we can't quit. Why we can't quit. Father, we sure do love you and thank you so much for loving us. And God, thank you so much for placing the Holy Spirit in our life to give us that direction. God, to lead us on in this road of life. God, when we come to places that we have no idea which way to go, but God, you take that sweet spirit and the word of God and you point us in that direction and you give us that safety and that serenity, Lord, and that peace and what we need of all understanding, God, to keep on keeping on. And Lord, I beg you this morning, if maybe anybody under the sound of my voice is even contemplating at all quitting, God, please let me encourage them through thy word, through the truth, what you've done in my life in the past, God, through the scriptures. And we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul said, I fought a good fight, and I finished my course, and I've kept the faith. I think about that good fight. What is a good fight? Now, when I was a youngster, I'd sit and watch my, with my daddy, boxing. He loved boxing. I remember one particular uh, event to where this guy was bouting out 15 rounds with this other dude, and this other dude uh, used his face uh, for the punching bag, amen, the whole 15 rounds. And my daddy made a statement. He said, man, that guy fought a good fight. I just looked at him and I said, Dad, that's absolutely crazy. Man, he didn't do anything. but got the devil beat out of him for 15 rounds. He said, yeah, but he finished, son. Now, I didn't think about that back then. Now, you're going to get beat on, you're going to get knocked down, you're going to get stomped, but let me tell you, it's about finishing. It is about finishing. It is not so much about how you start out in this life. It is how you end up. Are we going to enjoy that appearing when we see the Lord Jesus Christ, when we see that Savior, or will we be 
I threw in the towel. I quit. Number one, some reasons why we can't quit. It grieves the Holy Spirit of God. It grieves the Holy Spirit of God. You not need to turn there. I'm going to go pretty quick. But Ephesians 4.30, the Bible said, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. That word grieve, to make sorrowful, to excite regret, to offend, to displease, to provoke, to feel pain of mind or heart. Are you telling me that that's the way that the Holy Spirit can feel? Yes, he can feel that way. It grieves the Holy Spirit of God and he's sealed. He's sealed in us from the day of redemption. And my grandmama, she used to make pear preserves down in East Central Alabama. And boy, she'd bring all them pears in there and she'd peel all them pears and she'd put them in a pressure cooker and just the aroma of those things would fill the entire house and the sweetness there. And then she would put them in them quart jars and she'd turn those quart jars upside down and they had that little sealing ring on them and you could hear them go ding! And I'd say, what does that mean, Nanny? She said, baby, they're sealed now. She said, how long are they sealed? She said, baby, they are sealed until you open them. I said, well, what if you didn't open them? She said, baby, they keep getting sweeter and sweeter and sweeter, and one day they turn to sugar. Let me tell you, that's a Christian life right there. When he saved us, he put the Holy Spirit in us. He sealed us in that day of redemption. And I'm gonna tell you something. If you pay attention to what he's trying to do, he's gonna make life sweeter and sweeter and sweeter, and we check out one day with the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to turn to sugar, amen. But you can grieve him. You can grieve him by contemplating quitting. You can grieve him. Do you realize that we put him in bondage if we place him in situations to make him look at things on, on screens such as computer screens, such as uh, phone screens, such as television screens, and we have the Holy Spirit which cannot leave us. Have we ever thought about that we are making him witness the things that some of us is looking at? Grieving the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. Folks, we can't do that. We've got to keep on keeping on. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. And keep on moving for the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, because of those who have confidence in us. Now you sit there and think right now, somebody played a role in you being here today. Somebody opened up a Bible or New Testament or a tract and ask you about your soul and ask you about your destination at that point in time in your life. I want you to think about it. Who is that individual? Who is that individual that cared enough to do that or somebody cared enough to stand in this pulpit right now and preach the word of God and the Holy Ghost convicted you and brought you down to an old-fashioned altar and got saved? It doesn't matter when it was, where it was, but somebody played a part in you coming to know Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. We can't quit because of those that have confidence in us. Hebrews 12, 1, the Bible said, Wherefore, see, we also compass about so great a cloud of witnesses. A witness is somebody that sees what's going on. And let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience and the race that's set before us. 
Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to thank God for people who has influenced in my life uh, to come to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. One was a welding instructor. Man, I had nobody. I mean, he was a grizzled man. He was an incredible welder, but he was the first real man that tried to introduce me to Jesus Christ. I, I didn't want no part of it, didn't want to hear didn't want nothing to do with it but I couldn't get it out of my mind okay once it's planted you couldn't get it out of your mind you might run on and do whatever you want to do but it's still there and then thank God my nanny my grandmother was the only godly influence in my entire family but she'd never give up she'd never quit I was preaching down in Guadalajara Mexico when I got the news at 91 years old she slipped out of here to heaven and they called me and flew me in and I preached a funeral there and I gave that testimony and seven people got saved by the grace of God in that funeral because of my grandmama's kindly influence, folks. Now think about it. We have a debt. We have a responsibility not only to our Savior, not only to the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, but the people who have invested in us. Some of you know good and well. You've got down and you've got out and you wanted to quit. And maybe a pastor or assistant pastor, maybe a bus director or a bus captain or just a friend in the church come by and said, hey, you know what? Hey, I want you to come back. We love you down there at the Pacific Baptist Church. We need you there. We're not a whole with Without you, you know good and well I'm telling the truth about some of you and you're here because of that person invested in your life. Why can't we quit? Well, I tell you, because it grieves the Holy Spirit because of those who have confidence in us and because of high cost of low living. There is a high cost to low living. 2 Samuel, the Bible said in 7.13, he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the children of men. Hebrews 12.6, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son from whom he receiveth. If you, do, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what is a son and he whom the father chasteneth not? If ye be without chastisement, wherefore all partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. That's the word of God. We don't like to think about it, but it's true, friend. Let me tell you something. If you can go out there and hobnob around with the world and do the things of this world and enjoy the things of this world and not receive the conviction of the Holy Ghost of Almighty God, you can mark it down. More than likely, you've been caught counterfeited. More than likely, you're not saved. More than likely, you're on your way to a devil's hell. You can't enjoy that stuff out there in this world without being convicted by the Spirit of Almighty God. There's a price to pay. I believe the Holy Spirit is very tender and very long-suffering and very patient and tries to draw you back in with love and dedication and does whatever he can. But the story of the prodigal son, let me tell you something, if that boy wouldn't have come back, I believe it would have been over for him. He came to himself. There's that patience and that tender love. In the book of Ruth, in Ruth 1.1, we have the story in the beginning. And now it came to pass in those days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain 
man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of the wife, Naomi, and the name of the two sons was Malon and Chilion, and Ephraimites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. But yet they wanted to sojourn. Sojourn just meant we're going to run down there for a little while and then we're going to come back. No, and it said continue there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives and women of Moab and the name of one was Orphan and the name of the other was Ruth and they dwelled there about 10 years. So much for sojourning. Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. The woman was left of her two sons and her husband. There is a high cost to low living. They went down from Bethlehem, Judah to Moab. Got rough because there was a famine. They left the will of God. Bethlehem, Judah means house of praise and blessings and Moab is God's wash pot. You know, if you got a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church and you got people who love you and you have integrity, you got something good, you know it. You get a job over yonder making you $200,000. Does that mean you just simply walk away from the blessings of Almighty God? I'm not telling you what to do and not what to do. I'll never, ever stand in that place. But I'm telling you, you better sure do some serious thinking about it. You better sure do some serious praying about it. You better not just jump on that trail chasing that dollar bill. You better pay attention. If the time's rough, it was time's rough right here. But we're running into a story that it's getting rougher and rougher and rougher. God took the daddy, eliminate. God took the first son. God took the second son. And they stayed there for 10 years, backslid on God. You say, only for a little while, brother Rob. No, 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 no. Sin will take your father than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you a lot longer than you want to stay every single time. The story is over and over and over. It's repetitious. That's why you hear preachers yell and scream about this constantly because it's the truth. Ruth 119, the Bible said, so they too went out until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass that when they come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them and they said, is this Naomi? Notice it's in question form. Is this Naomi? And she said to them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty have dealt very bitterly with me. Notice he put that in there. Who's the Almighty? have dealt with me very, very bitterly. She said, I went out full and the Lord had brought me home again empty. Why then call me Naomi, seeing that the Lord had testified against me and the Almighty hath afflicted me. Sin will ruin your life and make you unrecognizable. As they said, who is this, Naomi? She didn't look like Naomi no more because the world had stripped her from all the beauty that she has. Let me tell you something, man, woman, boy, or girl, let me tell you, this world will strip you of everything that God ever wants to give to you. I was preaching in Atlanta, Georgia one time and uh, this gentleman come in in tattered clothes, a blue jean shirt. And he looked, he looked like somebody that I had seen before. But I couldn't put my finger on it. 
You see, before I got saved, I loved music. I, I mean, I had a flavor for music. Like, it, it didn't matter. Man, I literally worshiped music. Boy, I, I loved country music, rock and roll music, and southern rock music, just anything. Like, it didn't matter. I just loved music. But there's one old boy, man, I, I tell you that he was born and raised over a, a city about 60 miles from us. And he hit it big. I mean, he hit it real, real big. Man, he got everything. Boy, he got the tour buses. He had the perfect family, wife and kids. And man, he started making millions and traveling all over the nation. He was living the ultimate dream, not the American dream, the ultimate dream. Had everything that money could buy and then Hollywood picked him up out here. They start, made movies with him and boy, just Filthy, filthy, filthy blessed, if you want to say that from the world, amen. Uh, and he had it all. But something happened. Something happened. Because I recognized him when he sat on that second to the back row and I was preaching on the prodigal son that night. I said, I know who that is. It's that guy that I wanted to be. I said to myself when I was 18 years old, good night, that guy is realistic, man. He's 60 miles from here. He's not somebody way off that, that you know, nobody knows. He's 60 miles from there. This is reality that you, you, you work hard enough that you could have something like that. And I mean, in my mind, I said, I want to set out. I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. That's what the world does, folks. They see stuff like that and they desire and they want it and it doesn't matter what it is. They just go for it with everything they have and I'm talking about I desired that life so bad but then I got saved and when I got saved something happened to me I began to read the Bible and understand that there's certain things in this world you need to get away from. You need to get away from all that nonsense music. And let me tell you something, I took a barrel and took all of that music, including all of his music, and put it in that barrel and throwed a fire in there and burned every bit of it. Guess what? We're probably, I don't know, 12 years down the road, something like that. I never thought about it anymore. I never desired it anymore. I was serving God. But yet, here's the guy sitting in the auditorium that had everything that you could ever want in life listening to me preach as I preached on the prodigal son. That guy at imitation stepped out walked down the aisle in those tattered clothes and fell on his face before God. I said, man, this is unbelievable. He's getting saved by the grace of God. Then he signaled over to the pastor. The pastor came on to him as they was praying right there. And the man looked up at me and he told the pastor, he said, I want the life that that man right there has. That's the life that I want. And man, I'm gonna tell you, my mind went back to an 18-year-old boy chasing all those things of the world. And I said, looked at him and saw where he was at. Hey, the story gets mighty short. He lost everything. He got out there chasing them neon lights. He had gotten saved as a 13-year-old boy in a country church in Atlanta, Georgia. Instead of chasing the hymn book, instead of chasing the word of God, took off after the neon lights. And now he's lost everything. All the tour buses, all of his family, his children. And didn't have anything to show for it. But about a $200,000 child support and alimony bill. Please listen to me today as I preach to you. 
I'm preaching to you because I love you. God wants the best for you. But the truth is there's a high cost to low living, folks. There's a high cost for low living. Why can't we quit on God? It grieves the Holy Spirit. Because of those who have confidence in us, because of the high cost of low living, and because of what the Savior did for you and I. Sometimes we just need to hit a refresh button. Sometimes we just need to go back to the street of Calvary. Sometimes we need to go to Jerusalem and picture what happens. I know if I ever start getting cold and indifferent, if I ever get to the point to where that, man, this message ain't hitting me like it's supposed to, I better take a beeline straight to Calvary, friend. I better look in Jerusalem where that they brought our Savior out that was absolutely perfect, never committed a sin, never thought about a sin, but yet they said he was guilty. They took our Savior and they brought him in and accused him of being guilty. He wasn't guilty of anything. And the Bible said that they buffeted him. Oh, man, I'm gonna tell you something. They put old mask on him where he couldn't even see. And men with brute strength, with everything they had, beat the face of our Savior. I'm gonna tell you, they said that he wasn't even recognized friend and then the Bible said they scourged him with a cat of nine tails that's a wooden instrument about this long with nine leather thongs on it about this long and it had a bone and it had metal and they placed glass in these thongs and a Roman soldier took it and scourged the body of our Savior they said many people did not even live through the scourging to make it to the cross of Calvary they died because of lacerations but I'm talking about our Savior I'm talking about why we can't quit today. I want to play something in your mind and when you think about walking away from the church, when you think about walking away from the word of God, when you think about quitting, you think about Jesus. Or you say, you don't know, Brother Rob. No, you don't know and I don't know. Every single one of us has our problems and we go in and out of them all the time. Huge, huge storms. Every one of us has them in our life. But friend, we can't quit. They put him on that old cross of Calvary. The Bible said he separated his joints, friend, and he hung there. Why, Brother Rob? He hung there because an old drunk, an old drug addict that you're looking at right now from East Central Alabama, that deserved to be burning in hell, but because he wouldn't come off that cross, I, I got ever, everlasting life today. I'm not ashamed to talk about it. I'm not ashamed to preach about it. I'm not ashamed to tell the story door to door. I want you to know there's something worth staying in here for. What he did for us, every one of us, he loved us all the same. Nobody did he love any more than the other one. You might be the richest one here in the state of California. He loved you the same as the poorest bus kid that walked in this building this morning. Friend, there's some reasons why we can't quit. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I had to change my life verse several years ago. My last verse now is Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. 
Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God. Listen to this. Who loved me. Huh? Did you hear what the Bible said? Now, when you read that, it says the same thing. Who loved me? It was pinned down by the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. He said, who loved me? Me, that verse changed my life. It changed my Christianity. Why, Brother Rob? Because it came completely personal, friend. Hey, forget about the church for a minute. Forget about John 3, 16, which is the greatest verse there. But he said, for whosoever I call upon the name, and you know is whosoever, all right? It is a Christ loved everybody. But when he made it personal, it changes everything. Who loved me? Say it with me. Who loved me? Say it with me. Who loved me? But for God so loved the world. Yes, yes, yes. But lay aside the world right now. Who loved me? You make it personal, and it'll transform your life. It'll transform your Christianity. Every single one of us finds ourselves, man, this preacher here ain't going to come in here and try to make me like this and you like that. You, you got the wrong preacher. You got one that's transparent. You got one that fails in life. You got one that messes up. You got one that has to apologize. You got one that's far from being perfect, but you got one, I guarantee you, there ain't nobody under the sound of my voice that loves my Savior no more than I do. You might love him the same, but you're not going to love him more than I do. Let me tell you something, buddy. The pressure's alive will put you in a place sometimes where you say, God, this is not right. Why? 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 God, please help me. This is not right. Look at what's going on around me. I can't even function. I can't even think. I can't put this together. Who loved me? I'm right here, Rob. I'm right here. You see, the Spirit, I believe with all my heart, took me to a place. He said, I placed man in the Garden of Eden. And I gave them something wonderful. I gave them freedom of choice. Right? When I gave them that, it simply meant I didn't create robots. I could have created robots that would worship me just the way that I need to be worshipped for an eternity. But the reason I gave them freedom of choice, to make those choices, they made bad choices, okay? But I want man to love me on his own. I don't want a robot. I don't want something programmed. I want somebody real with a mind because one of these days we're going to spend eternity together and I want it to be my choice. Amen. So therefore, we have a problem with that design. Man can make the wrong choices any time they choose. So listen to me, son. I meant it when I said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. 29 years, he's kept his promise. 
Listen, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. I couldn't even quote a Bible verse when I got saved, but for 29 years, I've tried to do the best of my ability to trust my Savior as a real person, to listen to the Holy Spirit as a real person, to follow, follow God as a God of the entire universe. This thing of Christianity to the man that you're looking at, it's not a game, it's a life. And life can be very, very brutal. Sometimes more brutal in the Christian realm than from the world. So you listen to me. You love each other in here. You don't be bickering in here. You don't be getting no cliques and groups in here. You keep as a whole your family, your family of God. You're all born again. He loves us all the same now. You got something going. Look at this beautiful building right here. Let me tell you something. Satan ain't just going to stand to the side and let everything happen around here for the glory of Almighty God. You better mark that down right now. There's some reasons why we can't quit. Well, I feel like I probably just need to shut this thing down. I want to leave you with one other thing. Why can't we quit, Brother Rod? Well, it grieves the Holy Spirit because of those who have confidence in us. Because there is a high cost of low living. Because of what the Savior did for you and what he did for me. And there's an appointment that you and I cannot miss. And that appointment is the judgment seat of Christ. If you're born again, you're saved, we'll go in there. Let me tell you something, I'm not, I, I'm not thrilled about that meeting at all. Oh, not so much about the things that I'm not doing or the things that I'm doing, but more the things I'm not doing. You see, none of us is doing all of what we ought to do. Huh? You might be squeaky clean. You might not be fooling around with nothing. You might be as clean as a pen. But are we doing everything that we should be doing? I think I testify for all of us. Probably not. Probably not. It's a reality, folks. We're going to meet him. We're going to see him. And if there's anybody under the sound of my voice today, I want you to know, if you're not born again, not only I love you, this pastor loves you, this church loves you. It'd be awful to leave a place like this and go to a devil's hell. There's an appointment that you cannot, you cannot, you cannot miss. It's the white throne judgment. I haven't been talking to you at all since I started preaching. But if you don't know for sure that you're on your way to heaven, I beg you today to make that decision. What decision, Brother Rob? Just trust him. He gives you a amount of faith that whatever that faith is, he's already gave it to you. All you got to do is step out like each and every one of us has before. Step out and trust him as your personal savior. Please do that before the pastor closes this meeting out. But you Christians, you got something to live for now. Please don't quit. Please don't quit. Let's stand together again, if we may. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Quiet down up there, please. 
a crowd this size, I know that we go through things and sometimes we think about quitting. It's natural. It's just part of the flesh we live in. We have a lot of reasons not to quit. Maybe you've been discouraged. You're down. Sometimes the devil gets us. He's done it to Christians and to, to believers in the Bible. Like, it's just not worth it. That's a lie from Satan. You know what's not worth it yet? Worth it? Quitting. We heard the reasons why this morning. Let's stay faithful to him. If you're here again this afternoon and maybe you were here this morning and you're not sure if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. And for whatever reason, maybe you didn't want to raise your hand, but you want to get that taken care of. You can get that taken care of today. With nobody looking around again, I will ask if you're here and you're not 100% for sure, if you were to die, you go to heaven, but you want to know that for sure, say, Pastor, would you pray for me about that? Just raise your hand and I will. Anybody at all, don't leave this place without Christ. The piano is going to play. If God spoke to you, why don't you come? Why don't you come? So many reasons not to quit, oh God. 